Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on Richmond's home for the Washington Commanders. The four and five Commanders can be heard right here on 910 The Fan with a two-hour pregame show and a two-hour postgame show. And Washington was up 10 to nothing. Then, the blink of an eye, it was 14-10 Patriots with the ball to start the third quarter. And they started the third by getting a field goal and took a 17-10 lead. Washington then scored 10 points in their next 15 offensive plays to go up 20-17 and got the win. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, you hear him right here on 910 The Fan alongside Grant Polson. It's Danny Ruye. What's going on, Danny? What do you say, my friend? Uh, The Wolves are at Ron Rivera's door, so of course... I, I'm having trouble hearing you, Danny Stubbs. See if you can get him back on hold and, and try again. I I couldn't hear him there at, at all, so let's just try this again real quick. And uh, Look, so this was a, a big momentum swing where the Patriots had a big lead uh, with 17-10 there, had all the momentum. Washington was able to kind of fight back thanks to Sam Howell, who stayed poised and strong, even stronger in the pocket and able to run the ball, and uh, there's just so much to build off of in a performance like that from Sam Howell. His receivers all got pumped up to see him run and get that huge first down, and they rewarded him with some clutch catches in the second half, including Antonio Gibson out of the backfield fighting for extra yards, getting a first down, and Jahan Dotson's 33-yard touchdown catch. So Sam spread it around to nine different receivers throughout the game. How wild is that? Nine different guys caught a pass, including Byron Pringle, who made three huge catches for 55 yards. Seemed to be all third down, clutch, tough situations. It was for all the chips, the Pringle game. Uh, Back to the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline with Danny Ruye. Good to talk to you on a victory Monday, Danny. Yes, indeed, my friend. We've forgotten what these sound like and feel like. It's been, uh, it feel like basically a month, right? Yeah, and so I put it out to callers earlier, and I got an interesting take on this. How happy are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Like a caller said 6, I'm feeling like an 8. Like it's not a 10 out of 10 win, uh, but it's definitely a great sign uh, to win a road game against the Patriots. Yeah, it's a fascinating question. I I actually have been struggling with this. I don't know how I feel. Um, To me... This is like winning a game to maybe get to eight wins or something like that. I, I don't really care about that, to be honest with you. So this is like a four out of ten for me, probably. I, I'm not mad. I'm not like upset. Um, but the big picture is we're going to have a GM like a, in the offseason. You know what I mean? So like what we're doing now just feels like, um, I don't know, like it's, uh, it's like a control part of an experiment. Like I'm just not really that compelled or interested other than Sam House performances what is Jahan Dotson doing? You know, how do some of these guys step up in the wake of, uh, you know, Montez Sweat and Chase Young being moved? You know, I, I, those are the things I kind of care about. If, they, if they'd lost 20-17 to 17 yesterday or, or, or something like that, I don't know that I'd be that down either. Um, so I'm not, like, over the moon uh, because they won the game. I, I care a lot more about the future. And for the first time in my, you know, in your lifetime certainly, but in decades for me, there actually is a future here. And that's what's got me over the moon. That's what I'm excited about. 
Yeah, you're telling me Jason Campbell wasn't a franchise quarterback, even though we tried again and again and again with Campbell? I am telling uh, you, you that, yes. I am telling you. <laughs> <laughs> you're so right about it being a 4 out of 10, though, because like, uh, when I did my show on Saturday in D.C., half the callers were like, fire Ron Rivera. I don't care if we win another game. I'm focusing on Sam Howell. That's the only thing that matters to me. I don't care how the defense mm-hmm. plays. Uh, but Sam was awesome, and he, I think he's so good at these bullet passes down the middle of the field, like anywhere from – 10 to 40 yards, if he's bulleting it, it's on target and accurate. Now, the lob passes, uh, he seems to lose some accuracy, but how would you evaluate Sam Howell's performance? So, we're going to remember that interception before the half, which was a potential game loser, honestly. The the swing there, because you mentioned it um, before I hop back on, was the Patriots were going to get the ball to start the second half. Washington's marching down the field at a minimum that's a field goal to kind of stem the tide, right? Because the Patriots just scored, uh, you know, 14 points to take the lead there when you dominated play early on. That interception was a, oh, my God, what are we doing? Stop everything. This isn't going to work type play, right? It was really, really, really bad. And the thing that I've been most impressed with Sam Howell on isn't necessarily the, the, the fact that he doesn't make mistakes. It's, it's everybody in this league does, you know. Like Pat Mahomes had a three-interception game uh, just over a month ago. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen the best in the business not hit a throw, miss a read, do whatever. It's the rebound. Nothing affects this guy. Nothing gets him down. Nothing, you know, he's willing to take a shot the very next play, you know. Um, that's kind of, to me, what the most impressive part is. When he's able to get to the top of his drop, scan the field, and throw the football, he's good. He is. I, I mean, that's the reality of it. It's getting there that's been the problem this year. We, we, we've beaten this to death. The sack numbers, the hit totals, they are unsustainable. Better again this week, two weeks in a row now. We officially have a trend uh, where he, you know, he's been kept upright for the most part. They've kept him clean. They found a way to get rid of the football out of his hands, whether it's simplifying reads, whether it's just you know, em- emphasizing the quick game. Whatever the case may be, it seems like finally an adjustment has been made to prioritize him being upright, and I think the results speak for themselves. He's in pretty elite company here through 10 starts in terms of some of the totals that he's put up. Those are real things. And uh, so to me, very, very encouraging. Uh, And you mentioned it, some of those throws where you go, that's a tight fit, man. That's a Justin Herbert type throw. He's able to do those things, uh, maybe more than the average bear. So it's been exciting for sure. I think I know football, Danny, pretty well, right? I've watched every game for more than 25 years. But one thing I just do not understand is pass protection and sliding protections and the schemes on the offensive line. Like, how has replacing Nick Gates, just one guy, made such a big impact? It's a great question. One, I mean, this this is for, you know, the the real tape-watching dudes. I'm not talking about, like, a guy that, like, is a reporter that claims he watches tape. You just watch the DVR, dude. That's not tape. Anyway, um, (laughs) to me, it's a a twofold thing. Number one, I don't think Nick Gates is very good at blocking. Uh, I think that's a huge essential part of being an offensive lineman is being able to block. He was getting beat an awful lot, whether it was uh, some of the stunts and games that that linemen were running against him or or otherwise. I don't think he was particularly good, especially when it comes to pass pro. Two, yeah, knowing where the bad is coming, right? Knowing where the the danger spots are, I I think is absolutely essential. So, um, you know, Gates had basically been a guard uh, in New York for the most part. He played some center. This is one of those things where they think he's going to do something that he hasn't really done uh, all that much. And surprise, surprise, they're not smarter than everybody. It didn't work. And uh, they're better off, not with their third-round draft pick in their mind, although Ricky Stromberg's hurt, but with a guy that's been in and out of their lineup, you know, 
two dozen times, it seems like, over the last couple of seasons. So, so yeah, again, this is a both, hey, good, they found something, they can fix it, but B, why is this broken? Why coming into a season with a guy that has no experience at quarterback that you know takes a bleak ton of sacks, are you going to go with anything less than an incredible offensive line, not bargain basement billies at right tackle and center, and hope a couple internal solutions that haven't really done it yet are going to pan out? Looks like they were right about Sam Cosme. Bully for you. That makes one out of four spots that you changed over that weren't correct. Love having Danny Ruye on the show. You can check him out alongside Grant Polson right here on 910 The Fan from 3 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, so you mentioned the one turnover from Sam Howell, and I want to break this down with you because in my mind, that's less on Sam Howell, more on the coaching staff. Coach Bienemy and Ron Rivera, I don't think Ron understands how timeouts work there because he had three timeouts. They're driving down the field. The clock is running from 35 seconds left to 30 to 26 by the time they snap it. I'm thinking, call timeout, and then you have plays where you can run to either side of the field. You could throw, but instead they do that stupid rollout where they chop block the Ed's rusher, and then it's just a tight end or one wide receiver. Only two options there when you know your quarterback struggles to throw the ball away, and so he tries to fit it into Dotson and throws the interception. And Yes, it's on Sam Howell, but in my mind, I blame the coaching staff as well. So I like that opinion. Um, it's basically... They gave him kind of some mediocre ingredients, right, is the way I think about it. Like, imagine you go to a restaurant, you got okay ingredients on a, on a play, maybe even below average, and he, he like, handed out, like, goose turd. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, that, that somehow throw is so unacceptable. I, I don't care what the play call was. I don't care what the design was. Even though I'm with you, it wasn't good. I don't think the clock management was particularly good there. I guess they were very concerned about leaving the prolific Mac Jones and the Patriots offense any kind of time. I'm sure that's a danger, by the way. But, yeah, uh, I'm with you. I I would have called timeout there because now you can run anything. Uh, I don't mind a sprint out in that spot. I like, you know, giving Tim Howell some options uh, athletically. Like, if, if, you know, a defender's peeling back too far to stay with one of the receivers, maybe he could have run that in. I thought the Patriots handled it well, which means that should be an automatic trigger for there is nothing here. This play is dead. I've got three more chances to score points, and we need points in this spot above all else. Even if it's three, that would have been paramount. To end up forcing that ball in there is just so bad. I, I understand your point, though, and I, you know, I'm, I'm all for blaming Ron Rivera for everything and anything because he's in charge of everything <laughs> and anything. But yeah, that, that to me is a is a Sam Howell problem more so than it is a play call that didn't work. But I, I, I hear your point, Danny. How frustrated were you that they threw the flag for roughing the passer on KJ Henry when he only did was tackle the quarterback? Yeah, we don't have words, man. I lack the proper, uh, uh, you know, acumen and vocabulary to be able to properly describe. We need brand new words for how stupid this is. Now, in general, I thought that officiating crew was terrible yesterday, and I know that one went against Washington. A couple others did too. I thought there were a handful of times where, if you're a Patriots fan, you had plenty of gripes, right? I, I mean, although they deserve a thousand years of bad justice. Uh, for all the cheating and success they've had previously, and they're now paying that off. I hope they're bad for another 100 years. But it's a quick sidebar. I thought that officiating crew yesterday had no idea. I don't, you know, they, they didn't know what a hold was, what pass interference was. I thought Washington got away with a couple different times on third downs where Mac Jones was furious and livid and Bill Belichick was muttering under his breath to a nearby official. Uh, I thought that crew was, was, was awful. What I can't stand is the shoulder shrug and go, I guess, yeah, that's just kind of it when they cut the Dino Blandino. I'm going, what, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? The guy had the football in his hands. Uh, it wasn't one of those. I understand it, even though I disagree with it. I understand if he'd thrown the ball, had nothing, 
and then was hit, and then, you know, Henry's uh, momentum piled on top of him or something, whatever that stupid rule is. You, they want you to basically to separate your shoulder or break your wrist in order to avoid doing something <laughs> to the quarterback. I thought that was just so stupid. Maybe that's the letter of the law. If that's the case, I would change that law immediately, but they're not going to do that. They're prioritizing quarterback's health uh, above all else, even though, by the way, we had, a, we, had a, we had a week of what, a dozen guys that weren't the initial plan uh, at quarterback play this past week, and these past couple of weeks, it's been – you know, the Gardner Minshew, Zach Wilson uh, experience for a lot of times, you know, based on injuries. So no matter what you do, these guys are going to end up banged up because you have 250-pound monsters running four threes, chasing them down. Bad stuff's going to happen. But, yeah, I, I hated that call. I hate everything about it. I hate what it stands for. And I know it went against Washington, so it sounds like sour grapes. I'm telling you that, that there's, there's the, the phrase that always comes back to me is, what is a defensive player supposed to do? It's the same thing with college targeting where these guys are going so fast and the slightest micro-adjustment by the receiver to kind of crunch up turns what would be a nice hit in somebody's midsection into this helmet-to-helmet thing, and they're reviewing it, injecting kids, and they're losing NIL money. I find it so preposterous. It's so easy to legislate with this slow-mo that we've kind of gotten way overboard, way out of whack. I cannot stand it. It's not football. It's wrong. And also ban the tush-push. I know that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I hate it. Oh, great rant there. That's Danny Ruye. Follow him on social media at Funny Danny, and you can check out Grant Danny right here on 910 The Fan following my show. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you, pal. Have a good one. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. We're live and local till 3 p.m. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Richmond's home for the Commanders, the 4-5 and five Washington Commanders, here on a Victory Monday, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. You can join me, check out the show, grab a beer, and take an extended lunch break on a Monday. You deserve it. It's time for the Commander's Corner. Phone lines are open throughout the show, 833 804 0910-833-804-0910. And we begin with the who, what, when, where, how, and why the Commanders won on Sunday. The who? The four and five Washington Commanders. Who cares about wins and losses this season? If the Commanders are able to find their franchise quarterback, right? Let Sam Howell cook. Let Coach Eric Bieniemy scheme it up. And I'm fine with watching this team lose as long as the offense looks good. And yesterday it did. And you know what? They won, unlike last week. Now Sam Howell, who? Slinging Sammy Howell has looked good in two straight games, and the commander's offense has gone over 400 yards for two straight games. Who is our franchise quarterback? Who, you ask me? His name is Sam Howell. And I love that he's our guy because I keep joking to my friends, I really think he looks like a UNC frat bro. Like he looks like a North Carolina Tar Heel frat bro that's probably awesome at crushing beer bongs and, you know, uh, shotgunning beers and all that good stuff. He's probably dominant on the beer pong table, but he's been dominant on the field for our commanders. The what? What I'm most happy about today. What I'm happiest about today, happiest about today is I really felt like Eric Bieniemy, Coach Eric Bieniemy, the assistant coach and the offense coordinator, won his individual coaching matchup against Bill Belichick, right? We all knew coming into it that Bill Belichick is one of the best defensive coordinators and head coaches of all time. He knows how to scheme it up, especially against rookies. Well, they said during the broadcast, Coach Eric Bieniemy felt comfortable going against the Patriots as long as 
he could stay one step ahead of Coach Belichick. That's exactly what he did. It was an amazing game plan. We ran the ball successfully, threw it to nine different receivers. Yeah, that's hard to, hard to cover when you got nine different guys getting open, and we were excellent on third down. What a game plan and scheme by Coach Eric Bieniemy. What a freaking coaching job by Bieniemy. Where? Where was this game won? I think this game was won in the secondary. The last few games I've been saying it was won at the line of scrimmage. I think this game was won in the secondary because Washington was able to throw deep. They were able to throw medium. They were able to show, throw short against the Patriots and all of their different disguise um, coverages while offensively Washington played very well. Defensively in their secondary, St. Juice, Fuller, and Emmanuel Forbes stepped up in a big way. Even Quan Martin had the game-sealing interception. But my favorite thing about Washington secondary yesterday was nine, total of nine pass deflections. Jamin Davis did great against tight ends and running backs for the most part. St. Juice himself had three pass breakups on his own. And Emmanuel Forbes could have had an interception. He played really great. And Washington held the Patriots to just 17 points. Where was this game won? I believe it was won in the secondary. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. We get to the how. The how for me is how does the NFL not review roughing the passer penalties? Like, how do you not have that in place by now? Because it's not just the first year. It feels like for the past five years, nobody on the defensive side of the ball knows how to get a sack anymore, right? They end up doing one hand or they, like, have to alligator arm and cr crab crawl over you and make sure they don't avoid landing on you. How the hell does the NFL not have a reviewing set up in place for roughing the passer penalties? They stole. Stole the first sack of a fifth-round pick, K.J. Henry's career. Stole it from him with a total BS roughing call. And it was not just a sack. But a sack fumble, game-changing turnover that, in fact, changed to a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty, which is just insane to me because it was a terrible call with multiple NFL uh, people calling it the worst roughing the passer call of all time. Of all time. It, it was awful. And it, and it could have cost Washington possibly the game because uh, that turnover you thought could have had Washington cruise to victory. Instead, New England had another chance to get into the end zone. Uh, the why for today. Why did Washington win this game? For me, why they won? They won because they held New England to 3 of, thir thir three of 12 on third down, and they converted touchdowns in the red zone. Why did they win? Red zone efficiency and third down conversions, which were part of my keys to victory for the Commanders. And I'm just, I'm so happy about this win because keeps the season alive, right? Keeps the season alive, fan base happy for at least another week. The defense, they looked galvanized. The defense looked hungry. The offense, it really, really looks like we found our franchise quarterback. Now, he may not be a top 10 quarterback, but I can tell you this. He's definitely better than Mac Jones. He's definitely better than Bryce Young, the number one overall pick this year. He's definitely better than Desmond Ritter. He's better than many of the quarterbacks selected ahead of him. And Sam Howe wants to be our guy in Washington for a long time. Sam, his last five games, 1,510 passing yards. That's first in the NFL. And last five games, 10 touchdowns tied for first in the NFL. Uh, last five games, 66 completion percentage and a quarterback rating of 94.6. Hal was asked about wanting to be the franchise quarterback here in Washington, and he said, quote, I want to be the QB here for a really long time. How I'm going to get to that point is 
by taking it one day at a time and doing everything that I can on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's kind of the way I look at it, Hal said. I never worry about the future. I take it one day at a time, and I try to give every single day everything I've got. I give my teammates, I give the organization every single thing that I have every single day. That's what I'll do. I'll continue to try to do. And, uh, I mean, that just shows you that if you work hard, if you show up every day motivated, that anything is possible, and you can uh, reach your dreams. And Jonathan Allen, even last week, said, I truly believe Sam Howell is our franchise quarterback I believe he's our QB for the next five to ten years. And as we look around the NFL right now, Matthew Stafford at number 10 with just over 2,000 yards. Derek Carr, nine. Jared Goff and the Lions, they're flying higher. Eighth, C.J. Stroud just had one of the best uh, rookie games of NFL history. He's seven. Kirk Cousins now injured for the year. He's six. Jalen Hurts is five. Josh Allen is four. Patrick Mahomes is three. Two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Behind Sam Howe. Sam Howe is number two with 2,471 yards, trailing only to a Tagalavoa of the Miami Dolphins. That's got to make you feel good about Sam Howe being our franchise quarterback. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open. 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Every day on AWOD Radio at 1 p.m. We open up the phone lines, 833-804-0910, for the Richmond Commander. A segment focused on taking your calls here on the fan. We want to talk to the fans of the Skinny Skin Skins, 833-804-0910. It's AWOD's 10 Takeaways coming up next. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. And it is a VCU game day. I'm so pumped up for this season. And it begins tonight from the Siegel Center as the Rams face off against McNeese State, uh, who is coached by former VCU Rams coach Will Wade. But he will not be in the building but I wouldn't be surprised if there were a few fans dressed up as Will Wade or maybe even dressed up as uh, security members <laughs> there uh, doing the joke uh, for the Will Wade return game here to the Siegel Center. And, of course, every game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan with Robbie Robinson and Rodney Ashby. And Robbie joins us right now for a VCU game day on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's going on, Robbie? Hey, what? It's a game day here in Richmond, man. We're excited. How are you doing? I bet you're probably – Give you some more things to talk about other than Commanders football for once in about six weeks. Oh, yeah. I I'm so fired up for college basketball season. I always say it's my favorite season. Basketball is my favorite sport, and I've fallen in love with the Rams uh, ever since I came to Richmond here back in 2011. And Robbie, that was such an exciting time, right? I was a freshman right after the four Final Four run. But it seems like the excitement for this year is almost matched that with the excitement of a new coach, the excitement of new players and transfer guys from Richmond, including a former Spider, Jason Nelson. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of new people to get to know on this VCU basketball team, which is okay. I think in this day and age, in 2023, that's the way college basketball works, and especially when you have a coaching change like we do. And, you know, we'll start with Jason Nelson. Yeah, I would imagine that he's got some butterflies getting ready. He obviously grew up in Richmond, played at John Marshall, and then went to U of R, had his freshman year there, and then decided to transfer. And I think this system that Coach Odom has for him, it's, it fits him like a glove, Awad. I'm telling you, he is going to be someone that really benefits 
from the kind of offense that Ryan Odom and his staff puts together. And we've seen it in the first couple of games. So we saw it in the black and gold game uh, when they had the inter-squad scrimmage about a month ago. And then in the exhibition game, he was phenomenal again. So I, I think Jason Nelson, the John Marshall product, has got a, he's kind of the underrated glue guy of this team just because he has so much talent. I think his game fits this offense so well. Absolutely. Don't leave him open behind the arc. He, he was awesome in the exhibition game. Uh, so was Zeb Jackson. It was great to see the backcourt uh, dominate. I think they combined for 41 points and 15 assists. Uh, what were your thoughts on the offense overall? I mean, it's an exhibition game, but they poured in 110, Robbie. Yeah, I mean, Adam, I, obviously you can't, you can't complain about anything if you throw 110 points on the board they made 15 threes that was a positive that I think can stand out no matter who you play like you have to knock down shots I don't care if you're playing uh you know the top ranked team of the country or you're playing a division two school that probably has a little bit to go to get to where they want to be and so I think you look less at the amount of points that we scored and more the fact that we knocked down threes and hit 15 threes that to me was the biggest thing I brought out of the Mars Hill uh, exhibition game yeah, the points are great. 110 points, fantastic. But more like we had open looks, we knocked them down, and we could do that against anybody. It doesn't matter who your opponent is if you knock down shots. We're so pumped to be teaming up with VCU for VCU basketball games once again here at 910 The Fan, now at 105-10M. Extended pregame with a live audience. Robbie, tell the 910 listeners a little bit more about what to expect this season on the broadcast. We're happy to have Adam, Rodney Ashby back once again, right? We, we have more AWOD on the broadcast is what we have. Is we have 15 more minutes of Adam Epstein, which every broadcast needs. Um, we are going to do our pregame show and home games from the Commonwealth Room, which is the auxiliary gym here in the Siegel Center, and which can be a live setup for you. You'll be in front of our audience. We'll have speakers there, adding a little bit of, I guess, uh, a little bit more background noise, a little bit more flavor to the Commonwealth Room. So we'll be on also 15 more minutes for home games than we have normally. It's always been a 30-minute pregame show. We're going on at 6.15 on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and Big 98.5, our sister station that also simulcasts the broadcast. So I'm excited about it. We'll have a little bit more VCU chat and talk. We'll talk to some movers and shakers around the athletic department and obviously get people updated on what's going to happen basketball-wise. But Adam, I'm excited about that. And then, yeah, Rodney and I are back for what I think will be our fourth year, maybe? Time goes by so fast. But, yeah, I think this will be uh, Rodney's and my fourth year together doing games, uh, starting off in the 705 tip will have us on the air. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's such a great program and the enthusiasm in the city around this team and around, you know, VCU basketball as a whole. We always say that the city kind of stops when VCU plays. People wake up in the morning. They know if the Rams won or lost, and that's a real feather that we have in our cap. And it gets kicked off tonight. And I think Ryan Odom right now is the perfect person to be shepherding this squad. And I think it, you know, it's going to be different. The whole thing is different. You know, this is the first time in what's 15 years that we don't have someone in the Shaka Smart tree. And really, it's the first time in 18 years it's someone that's not in the Billy Donovan tree, if you think about it, because Shaka was a Billy Donovan guy, as was Anthony Grant, who Shaka replaced. So this is a totally different, a totally different outlook. And I think it's it's a good time for it. And I think our fans are ready for it. And Adam, I really think you're gonna your your mouth is gonna be a gate tonight as you continue to watch the Rams offensively. I think we're just gonna be that well oiled. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I don't think we're going to take too many steps back defensively, uh, especially with Zeb Jackson being such a good on-ball defender and now captain for the Rams. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio. we got Robbie Robinson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Robbie will be on the call for the VCU game tonight. And, Robbie, I get three questions that I get asked all the time when I go out and about, especially in Scott's edition here. And uh, Number one. Are the Redskins going to be good this year? Number two, when are we getting a new baseball stadium? Question number three has been, what's Ryan Odom like? How would you respond to that? <laughs> oh, Adam, that's a great question. I've been, I've been practicing my answer because I get that question a lot too, and I'm not, I'm not quite, I'm not quite satisfied with my answer. First of all, he's a good dude. Like you, Adam, you talk about going out in Scott's edition, and Lord love you, man. That's something that's a little bit in my rearview mirror as a 48-year-old <laughs> father of two, but I think I'm all there for you, um, despite the fact that I will say last night we were at Bramley Park till we closed that down on a Sunday <laughs> at you know, 7, 7.30. Um, he's a good guy, and he is a, he's a curious guy about people that he's around, which I always find. Uh, very compelling, and I think that's something that, that shows that you've got true character when you're talking to somebody and they're interested in you. The other day, we had an audio segment. He recorded some spots for me, and we're chatting. He looked at me afterwards. like, so what are you up to for the rest of the day? I was like, man, that's cool. Like, you know, Ryan Odom's got to get ready for a big basketball game on Monday, and he's wanting to know what, you know, the radio guy is doing for the rest of the day. And it turned out, uh, Adam, I was going to Costco. That's what I was doing the rest <laughs> of the day, so probably – I don't know if he'll ask me that again because that's a pretty boring answer. Um, he's very pragmatic. When you listen to him, we're going to do this, and this is going to be the result. And if we do this, we should have this result. If we don't do this, then the result might not be what we want it to be. There's a lot of that in him. I think he's a little closer to the vest than um, maybe some of our previous coaches, I think, and that could be for a bunch of reasons. Number one, he's still getting to know us as Ram fans. He doesn't know me. Like I, I knew Coach Rhodes. I knew Will Wade, and I was – at the very beginning, kind of part of Shaka's introduction to VCU basketball, Coach Oden doesn't know me. So, you know, I think he's – and I think that's a, the case with a lot of us in Richmond. He's starting to get to know us. Who, you know, who can he trust? Who, you know, who's going to be there for him? And until you kind of go through the wars, you don't really know that. But I'm telling you right now, uh, he's a spectacular guy. He's a great dad. He's a great member of the community. He was at the Furball on Saturday night at the Jefferson, which is the big SPCA event that, um, you know, here he is. He's three days away from having to play his first game ever, and he's taken the night to go to a big fundraising event here in Richmond. That's the kind of person he is. Um, and I'm telling you right now, I've been in practice. I've watched this team practice. I've watched him interact with practice. He is a player's coach, but he is also – he's not a pushover. Like, these guys get after it, and the coaching staff gets after it on these guys – I don't think our fans need to worry about it being kind of a, a lighter feel in terms of how the expectations for our players, because Ryan and his staff have high expectations, and that comes across in practice. If you're there at practice, it is a there's some there's some juice, there's some heat there, and that comes from the head coach. Yeah, that, that sounds great, man. I, I love to hear that about the head man for VC basketball, Ryan Odom. Every time I've talked to him, he seems very down to earth, and I'm feeling really good about the big men, Robbie. It's always tough to replace a front court that wins a conference championship. But I think Christian Furman looks bigger and stronger. Roosevelt Wheeler hasn't missed a shot in a Rams uniform. He was 7-7 seven of seven in the exhibition game. And Toby Lawal jumps out the gym. Yeah. Our, our post play will be a very fascinating thing to watch all season long. There's talent there. There's size. There's athleticism. And I'm just kind of articulating everything you just said, Adam. Like, you, you painted the picture perfectly. They just don't have experience. And – 
I think the A10, at least if you if you talk to people around the league and you see who was picked, it goes through Dayton. And when you look at Dayton, you look at Deron Holmes, who's their six eleven monster that they've got down low that we will have to defend when we play them on the 9th of February and then we go play them on the 8th of March in Ohio. And by then you hope that Wheeler and LaWall and Furman are equally as, as formidable as Deron Holmes because that's you know last year we had a guy in J.J. Lillich that could match up against him, and that's why we were such a problem for Dayton. Those guys are going to have to take the, that mantle and run with it. I think they can. I think all three of them can, honestly. And they're different. They're different players than Deloach was. They're different guys than we've had as bigs in recent past. I mean, Rose Wheeler, for those that watched him play in high school and then followed him at Louisville, he is enormous. And I'm telling you, Adam, he is athletic, and he is getting better every day. When you ask the staff, I heard you know one of the staff members yelled out yesterday in practice when we were, um, we we're there watching. He's like, "Rose, you continue to make leaps. You're you're so much. You know, you've made so many more strides than you have in the last two weeks." So yeah, and the wall is a big question mark. He's still a guy that's learning how to play basketball. He's only been playing for four or five years, uh, but I think he's beyond his years in terms of experience there. And then there's Furman, who I think you talked to some around the department. They think he might be the most talented guy we have. But they've got to play. I think that's it's a it's a lowercase question mark. Can you put punctuation lowercase, Adam? I don't know. I'm going to ask you that. You're the host. You're the host. It's not an uppercase question mark. It's a lowercase question mark with our guys because I know they're talented. But the post players are what really is going to be. I think they're going to be a driving force because we've got we've got perimeter guys. I mean, Max Olga is good. We talked about Jason Nelson a couple minutes ago. Zeb Jackson. You've mentioned him at least three times on this phone call already. Rightly so. We'll get Sean Barristow back, and he'll be a stud. Um, down low is where we've really got those guys. If they have good years, if you were to show me the post player stats at the end of the year right now, and just those guys, Adam, I think I could tell you what kind of year we're going to have. Good point, Robbie. You can follow Robbie Robinson on social media at Robbie VCU, and you can hear him on the call right here on nine ten The Fan. Thanks a lot, dude. All right, man. We'll see you tonight, Adam. Thanks. Yep, sounds good. And the game is sold out, and the pregame block party starts at 5 p.m. Uh, right outside of the Seagull Center. So block party 5 to 6.30 uh, right outside the Seagull Center. I will be there on the microphone and hoping to see a ton of Ram Nation. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball, UVA football and hoops, and Virginia Tech. And tonight's VCU game, season opener, home opener, is officially sold out. But if you follow me on Twitter, at AWOD Radio, that's A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O, I am going to do a giveaway here on a VCU game day. So uh, get in touch with me on social media, at AWOD Radio, A-W-A-D-D, R-A-D-I-O, and joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Coach Seth Greenberg. What's going on, Coach? Life is good. Getting ready for the season. Looking forward to kind of hunkering down and watching some ball tonight. Absolutely. So happy to get you on the show. Welcome to the AWOD Army. Welcome to Richmond Sports Talk Radio. And let's start with uh, our quick chat from ACC Media Day, and you were talking to me about Ryan Odom. How long have you known Coach Ryan Odom? I've known Coach Ryan Odom uh, since I, uh, 1983 when I went to University of Virginia as a student assistant, a graduate assistant, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, the Odoms 
were kind enough until I found a place to live. I actually lived at the Odom's house. Uh, Dave Odom, I was the assistant coach then, and Ryan was just a mere child. And we shared a room for about three weeks. So uh, I'm not even <laughs> sure how old Ryan was, but then uh, you know, I was to the circle of life. Ryan was my my student assistant at, at South Florida and assistant coach of me at, at Virginia Tech. So I've probably known Ryan since she's about three or four years old. That is so awesome to hear. Later. It's Coach Seth Greenberg with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media at Seth on Hoops as an ESPN college basketball analyst. You see him on uh, the big screens all the time, and so uh, uh, glad to have him on the show. And we're going to go around the ACC, uh, and we'll start here with the Hoos, who had a dis- disappointing end to last season, but Tony Bennett, the head coach, has regrouped, retooled, and he's got a very talented squad, and they're eager to start this season uh, with a fresh start after the way last season ended. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tony Bennett's UVA squad this year, Coach? Yeah, I look, I mean, you know, it's funny. Everyone talks about doom and gloom about last season. They had a pretty good season. Obviously, didn't end the way they wanted to in the NCAA tournament, a disappointing loss. But uh, what do I think about them? I think they're going to be a Tony Bennett coach team. They're going to be hard to beat because they don't beat themselves. They're going to have Reese Beekman, obviously, who's going to be huge in terms of coming back and pushing out the sides of the box of his of his game. Uh, you know, I think that you know Ryan Dunn's going to be have a huge, huge impact. McNeely's going to have a year underneath his belt. They got to get some play from their front court. Obviously, you know, having Shedrick leave was a little bit of a, a surprise, a little bit of a disappointment. Even though he didn't impact the game a, a ton, the minor kid that comes from Merrimack can rebound the ball, uh, score around the basket. We'll give him some quality minutes. But you know, it, it's funny because of the expectation and all the success that they've had. Um, you know, you, you're not you know you can get knocked out by anyone and. Uh, but if you look through the history of the ACC in the last seven years or so, uh, you know, Virginia has been as dominant a team as there's been in the league. So I don't think they're going to go anywhere. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, I will say I'm a little worried because the last member from the team that won the national championship, Kihei Clark, is is finally gone. It felt like he was on the team for eight seasons, and so they're going to have to replace their leader and point guard, and I believe they have Reese Beekman lined up to run some point, but uh, it might be point guard by committee. Uh, are you worried about the way they're going to run their offense at all? No, I think the ball's going to be in Reese Beekman's hand. It was pretty much in Reese Beekman's hand as a bunch last year. I mean, they play two point guards. I mean, Reese Beekman's not a, a two guard. He's a ball guard. He can get in the lane. He can defend the ball. He can initiate your offense. The way they play, uh, pretty much anyone can initiate your offense once they get into their, their action. So, uh, you know, again, Kia Clark was a terrific on-ball defender, a great leader, had great toughness. Uh, you know, he was a little guard, so everyone said, well, he's the point guard. But Reese Beekman, uh, the Tony Bennett will sleep well at night with the ball in his hands. Over to Virginia Tech and uh, what to expect from the Hokies this season. I- I'm really excited. They- they've got Sean Padula and Hunter Couture back. Now they're just going to need uh, uh, some play from the big men down low, some good front court play. But I-, I think most of the Hokies fans here in Richmond feel really good about the team offensively uh, with the backcourt of Sh- Padula and Couture. A- and the fact that, hey, Coach Young is here. He's been here. He's kind of established himself now, and, and he's got the recruits that he wants. Yeah, Mike does just an amazing job. He really does. And, look, you get old and you stay old, and that's what they've been able to do. And, uh, you know, the big thing with Padula is, you know, he played so many minutes last year. I think it impacted his ability to 
impact the game defensively, but he's such a hard guy to defend because he comes at you. know, He's got to decide you know, advantage, disadvantage, make good decisions in terms of when to go, when not to go, when to get other guys involved. That's like getting Hunter back was huge. I, I think the Collins kid's going to have a monster year. I'm a big fan of his. I know everyone's up in arms about you know, Rodney Rice uh, deciding to move on, but uh, no, Collins is a hard-nosed, tough, physical kid that guards, get in the lane, shoots it better than people think. I think he'll be fine. I, you know, the big question is, is up front. Robbie Barons will help some. Makai Long will help some in terms of you know, having a front court skilled player. Uh, but Lynn Kidd and Petit, those two guys, got to just give them rim protection, defend the post, give them a little scoring off of either dunker spot or short rolls or long rolls or duck-ins, uh, playing off of the perimeter game. But, uh, you know, they've got to guard better. The biggest thing for Virginia Tech this year is they've got to guard better. They didn't have the grit on the defensive end that Mike Young's teams usually have. But uh, I was over there to watch practice when Malcolm Delaney went into the Hall of Fame, and that was surely a point of, of focus. So, um, you know, I think that uh, I think they'll be better on that side of the ball. Uh, we know they're going to be able to score because they run such great offense. Yeah, I, I love what you said about MJ Collins. I mean, he hit a, a clutch shot last year, kind of uh, put him on the map for Hokies fans, and I expect him to take uh, big strides this season. Let's go around the ACC, and we'll tar- start with the team that made it to the Final Four, Coach Larinaga's uh, team down there in Miami. How are they going to be this year, Coach? I think they'll be good. They'll be different. Obviously, they're going to miss Jordan Miller and uh, Isaiah Wong. Uh, you know, Miller was yeah. such an important part of their team. Now, Matthew Cleveland, who transferred over from Florida State, I think, He's going to have a lot of that role. He's a different player, but he's going to have a big part in that in that role. And uh, you know, he is kind of a Swiss Army knife. Uh, Nigel Pack will have a different role. Luka Poplar will probably be the guy that jumps out at you because he's got crazy upside. So uh, they're going to be very, very good and hard to play against. And uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the big fellow in front is just you know, Norchad is just a, a load. He plays so hard and so physical. Uh, they don't defend as well as maybe statistically you'd like, but they do turn you over. And then offensively, they put so much pressure on you. <laughs> We've got Coach Seth Greenberg with us here around uh, on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline to go around the ACC. Follow him on social media, Seth on Hoops, and check him out on ESPN. I'm going to make you choose here. Who do you like more this year between UNC and Duke? I don't choose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, look, Duke's got four sophomores returning, uh, three sophomores returning that play 29 minutes a game. Uh, you know, they're not, you know, people say they're young. They're not young because when you play 29 minutes a game, you're you're not a young player anymore. You're an experienced player. And, you know, when, when Jeremy Roche and Proctor were on the court together, uh, that's when really their season turned around. But uh, the ball in Tyrese Proctor's hands is huge. Roche understands his role off the ball. Mark Mitchell's need to give them good quality minutes at that hybrid four position. Obviously, when you have a guy like Kyle Filipowski back, who's such a hard matchup, the one thing they don't have right now is they don't have rim protection. Derek Lively really impacted them defensively. They don't have that guy at the rim to protect the basket. Uh, to keep you out of the lane, that's going to be surely a concern. Uh, but uh, they're going to be fine. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's going to be different team defensively. They had a great recruiting class. The Stewart kid that really impressed me. I watched him practice the other day. He was really impressive to me, just how hard he played. Uh, and Caleb Foster, 
to me was really impressive in terms of his athleticism, his length, and his versatility. Uh, on the other hand, you know, Carolina, I, I saw them in their exhibition the other day. I love the way the ball moved. I love the pace that they played with. I love how fast they got up and down the floor. They looked for early post-ups. They tried to establish Armando Baycott. The ball had energy. Uh, you know, you know, Cormac Ryan can really shoot it. Uh, Cadeau, when he played with R.J. Davis, I think R.J. made his first five or six threes, uh, brought a lot of pace to their, what they were doing. Harrison Ingram's a hard matchup, whether he plays three or four. So, uh, you know, I think they're going to be good. You know, good. I think Washington's got to be a little bit more consistent and the you know the high kid i thought has showed a lot of potential so they're going to be good at, you know you know they'll be fine because you know what the most important thing is they'll have a better chemistry if they have a better chemistry they'll be that's going to be the key shot selection shot distribution pace of play will be really important coach thank you so much for the time i really appreciate it i'm going to say this no every time i talk to you you're my dad's favorite guy on tv so keep doing a great job there and yeah, uh, lastly I one fan i appreciate that <laughs> well he's your number one fan what games will you be watching and focusing on tonight you don't have even looked at the schedule i mean I, i'm in the studio tomorrow but there's so many you know, like opening nights just is just a lot of fun uh, there's a bunch of games uh, a couple of big east games i'll probably tune in uconn for a little bit i'll probably uh, I'm trying to think. I actually was looking at it. Like, there's a couple of Big Ten teams I want to get a chance to see. So tomorrow we've got a good one, uh, 9 o'clock uh, on ESPN. It's Baylor against Auburn. That'll be a big-time opening game out of South Dakota. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. And uh, Two really good teams, uh, a different team. People don't understand, Baylor the last four years have the most wins of any Power 5 team. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, you know, that's a, and in Auburn is an experienced team starting, you know, two seniors, two juniors, and freshmen probably tonight. Uh, so that's a big-time opening night game. So that'll be a lot of fun. Well, Coach, it starts tonight, and uh, it's the race to March. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back.